Hey everybody, welcome to The Other Way. It's our companion podcast to our podcast called The Way, where we study scripture. In The Other Way, we're going to discuss some basic concepts, basic ideas that we want to make sure to really get out to everybody. Uh, today with me, I have Reverend Dr. Charles Clink, a good friend of mine. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, you're pastor at Keswick and... Webster. Keswick and Webster, Iowa. Uh, and currently, I'm pastoring United uh, Methodist Church of Comanche. It's St. Mark's. Uh, you can find us on 808 3rd Street in the meantime. And uh, today, we're going to discuss a simple question that most people don't really have a proper answer to. What is the Bible? Ah. Uh, that, that's a big, deep, wide question. But uh, let's kind of get a, a general concept on it. What is the Bible? From an objective viewpoint, the Bible is a compilation of 60-plus books that are put together that give both a history and a theology of, uh, that has been a part of humanity from its beginning to what is projected to be its end. Okay, good. So I've, I've heard a number of different stances on it, and during our last podcast, we kind of discussed what's in the Bible, what are kind of the, the general pieces of it. But there seems to be some things that are always a frustration, always debatable. Now, we aren't going to come to all the you know, rational conclusions here today, but what I want to make sure that we address is this. Um, some people put it down to bumper sticker, which I am not a fan of bumper stickers, but uh, basic instructions before leaving Earth, of course. There's that goofy one, right? Nice. Uh, if it's not King James, it's not the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I went to an assembly at God school when I was a kid, so it had to be King James, and that's how I learned it. Uh, although it's beautiful, it can be frustrating to the common user, and that's really not what it's intended to be. <laughs> Am I the master of understatement? I was thinking, as you said, that there was a, for those that don't remember, there was an old cartoon called Popeye the Sailor Man. And I always remember there was one scene that I watched as a kid. Yeah. And it was a... Popeye walking long, and he always mumbled to himself. And as he was mumbling, this particular one that really stuck in my head was, as he's walking along, he's thinking about the Bible, and he's, am I a thee or a thou? Thee <laughs> <laughs> or a thou. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, one of the things that I've always liked about it, because people, I, I had a good friend of mine who's a professor of library sciences, and he asked me, do you actually believe the Bible? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. He's like, all of it? And of course I do. Of course I do, buddy. But he's like, well, what about the part where it's 5,000 years old? I said, well, it doesn't really say that. <laughs> so I, I had to talk to him about what is the Bible? Do you take it literally, literary, or a combination thereof? Yep. And the answer is yes, please. That's right. <laughs> he just answered yes, please, yep. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so there's kind of the hard part when I was going through seminaries. People would actually say, well, this is to be taken literally, and this is to be taken uh, literary, and this is to be removed altogether, and please don't pay attention to that. Don't look behind the curtain, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you determine what's literal and what's literary? You know, once you become a Christian... And and, uh, and you start reading through it, it doesn't mean that suddenly you throw away your brain. 
Right. <laughs> uh, in, in contrast, I mean, I've met a few along the way that did, but that's a different story. Uh, but they might have done that prior to becoming Christian. Pretty anyway, much, so, yes. Yeah. Or they never started with one. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, what, what my experience has been is that people tend to, if they're reading a fairy tale, if they're reading some other uh, nonfiction book, they won't question it at all. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, you know, and they'll say, well, but that really means, and this and means that, and, and, and they can think of other ideas that come to mind, and that's okay. But when it comes to the Bible, they somehow then think they mu- they're not allowed right. to reflect, to think, to question. Mm-hmm. And, and what, because it has been placed on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do with a book is like when you go into the library, if you want a book, same concept. Take the book off the shelf if you want to know what's in it. Right. And really get to understand it. And, and that's what we need to do with the Bible. Unfortunately, we've left it on that shelf. Yeah, because we don't know what to do with it. It's like... Or we've been told that we're supposed to do that. <laughs> Who told you that? The minister told me, and therefore you can't. Or, so, you know, or some authority has right. said, this, is, this book is different. And, and you never ask why. You're not allowed to ask why. And I learned a long time ago that probably the, the best word that any of us can ever ask is not who or where or what, but to ask why. Exactly. And I think that's, that comes down to a lot of it, is asking the best possible questions. See, I think in, in many aspects, we, we look at, go through, you're talking about going through the library. Well, there's fiction, there's nonfiction, there's poetry, there's history, there's whatever. And we're, we are looking at the Bible, and it's like a platypus. It's like all the best of all the weirdest things. We don't know how to mm-hmm. deal with them because they're all within one cover. And there are some things that are histories, clearly detailed histories, saying, okay, we know what happened on this particular thing was written on this date at that time during these years. Uh, we know other things are uh, prophetic, saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. God gave me a vision of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have... We have erotic love letters and Song of Solomon, right? And I'm sorry, seminary students, in my view, it's actually a love letter between a man and a wife, not how God loves you. <laughs> There's, there is that too, but what we also come down to is this. I, I look at it in this manner. Um, think about the things you would talk about with your wife or your best friend on a daily basis, right? You cover TV shows. You talk about what happened at work today. Uh, you talk about concepts and your feelings and other things. And in the Bible, we actually see not just basic histories and understandings or instructions of what you should do and not do and how you should be punished if you don't. Mm-hmm. We actually are dealing with the Bible as a love letter. It's a relational thing. Mm-hmm. So when I talk with my wife, I don't just give her instructions and expect her to, to get this, that, and the other thing done. And likewise, when she talks to me, it's more about it's more than just, honey, please clean the dishes I made dinner, right? So there's often discussions about how do we deal with this? What do we do with the next thing? Mm-hmm. And the Bible actually, I think, seems to be that, that much more of a thing. It's, it's more conversational. Now, has, people talk about the Bible as a living thing. Uh, I, I go over books. I read them once, and I get 
I'm like, I think it's a great idea to go back and reread, and I get about 10 pages in, and I'm like, yeah, I know what happens. That guy dies in the end, right? <laughs> I'm like, I get two pages in, and I'm like, that one's the double crosser. We know who the murderer is, right? Mm -hmm. But the Bible is not that way. How's that, how's that played out for you? Well, it's the same concept as uh, what came to mind as you were saying that is that, uh, you know, I think now that, you know, I'm 63 years old and have gone through, and now that I'm retired, I, I start looking at where was I, I'll see something, I'll say, well, that was when I was in that point in life, and then I'll see something, this was this point of life. Mm -hmm. And and I start, whether it's reading uh, one of the Bible stories, and I go, oh, I remember an episode that happened in my life when, or I'm watching a television program that I watched, and I start looking at the bottom, oh, that look at that year that that came out. I was at... Right. And it start realizing where in my life that happened. Right. Now, I'd seen the show before. Yeah. But it looked different this time around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the same way with the Bible. Yes, I've read it many times. I know exactly, you know, I know when it's supposed to have occurred. But as I change and as I have more experiences in life, if I go back and read the same story, suddenly it takes on a different meaning. Yeah. Than it did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Did the story change? Uh-uh. I changed. Right. There's a lot of a lot that happens as you you know read it as a as a young person, as as middle aged, and you get older, and things will change and modify throughout your life. Now, some of it does have to do with position, but also a lot of it has to do with how God is speaking to you through that in your moment Correct. as well. Correct. So personally, in my life, I I um, when I received the the understanding that I was supposed to go through go into ministry and start preaching and teaching, there was one verse that popped up everywhere. I heard it in conversations, I saw it on billboards, I heard it on the radio, and everywhere I'd go it just it would just kind of it was like beating me over the head because I'm not smart enough to get it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife said, You're just seeing things and then she started seeing it and she wouldn't let her go either. And it was the same verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I said, well, if this one verse is so important in my life and I can't figure out what it means yet, uh, well, I've got to read the whole book. And I did. And as I did, I got past Jeremiah 29 and I was like, okay, no problem. I got into 30 and 31 and there was something different for me at that moment. Because I think somewhere between the position and what God was instructing me to do, he's like, hey, if you can't outrun horses how, or if you can't outrun other men, how are you going to outrun horses, right? You're dealing with something larger that requires more training, more process, more time. Mm -hmm. And that was the word I needed to know, okay, am I just going to get a bachelor's degree or am I going to go on to the master's level? Am I going to make preparations for this as well? And then, as I was finishing it out, I came to that same point again. But in, before I even got to Jeremiah 29.11, I got to Jeremiah 29.7. And as I was simultaneously running a ministry... And looking at what I'm doing, it says, prosper the city you're in, and you will prosper also. There's a prosperity of relationship, not, not claim your new car, people. Okay, that doesn't actually work. I tried. <laughs> I sent my money in, and I still never got anything. <laughs> but uh, that prosperity... How's that lottery ticket working for <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm a Methodist. We do not gamble. So, so when it comes to... <laughs> okay, most of us don't. Some of us don't. Okay, a few of us don't. <laughs> so as it comes down to it, we start looking at that 
that process, and it was saying something different to me at that moment. I could have gone right through to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, but I got hung up on seven because God's saying, hey, remember that thing I said that one time that you looked right over? Well, it's important for you to know today. And I think the Holy Spirit actually does a lot as far as pointing us out where, where God's love, the love of the Father has shown us, and what Jesus has actually done. He's just making that apparent in our lives and just pointing it out. And you know, Sometimes you'll hit you over the head with the same brick seven times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll just let you run into the wall once and catch on to it. So uh, do you see where, give us a time where God's done that in your life, just jumped at you uh, through one bit of scripture that you didn't see before. It happened when I was working on my doctorate. Okay. I was at, uh, you know, in Garrett uh, and Northwestern uh, campus in, in Evanston. And, and I was working on my thesis. And as I was, uh, I'd gotten most of it written. And then a, the group looked at it. And, of course, uh, professors feel that they're justified if they make you do something more, mm-hmm. catch on to something more. And I was, and they were saying uh, that uh, I was talking about media and and uh, and how you know Jesus is you know how the media has played an important part in in the life of, of the the church and and utilizing video. Yeah. And they told me what I needed to do as they were looking at my work. As they said, you need you need to add some more pages to your thesis, you need to add in a theology of communication. Okay. And I just sat there looking at them because that's all they said. You have to add a theology of communication. What does that mean? Exactly. And that's what was going through my head. And fortunately, I had six hours drive home. (laughs) <laughs> uh, to think about it, trying to figure because they weren't going to give me any, any that's all they were going to give me. Right. And as I was driving home, about halfway home, it suddenly, boom, hit me. You know, in the beginning was the word. I don't, huh, there's communication. And I started to look at that, but, but there's that capital W in there. Right. And, uh, and actually in Greek, it's anarche halagos. And, and so I started doing my researching, and it all just fell into place. By the way, nice use of Greek. I, just I know, just to prove to you, I know it. <laughs> and, uh, but, but it really dawned on me at that point, I really found out there was a theology of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that, that there's God talk, right. if you will. And I was able to incorporate that in, but it, it gave me a whole complete understanding, really looking at in the beginning it was the word of the, you know, the Gospel of John. Right. Because who reads the Gospel of John? It's so deep. <laughs> uh, stick with Matthew. It's a whole lot easier. Uh, but at that point, it was just, where did that come from? It's yeah. just me in the car going down the highway, and all of a sudden, bam, there it is. And, and it, it, it reminded me that whole thing that Jesus always said, just trust me. Just reflect, just be there. And if you let your mind go, God will take care of it for you. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And I discovered there was a whole theology in it. And I was able to actually put it all together in about two to three weeks. Awesome. And finished it off. 
uh, and, and added the pages and, and, and finished it out. And it made me realize at that point that, you know, God's already out there in, in so many different ways. It's just, and and the, the limitation is on our part, not God's part. Mm-hmm. We just have to open our minds to, you know, what other people say, listen to what they're saying, listen to what God is saying, listen to what the Spirit's going to give you the answer, but just realize, don't panic, don't fret, don't stew over it. Just simply wait, and suddenly that aha moment will hit. Yeah. And it's those aha moments that really are the learning points. Right. And actually, that, that kind of uh, aha moment has happened to me before. And I've, I had, uh, really in the last year and a half, somebody forced me to do um, just a, a simple explanation of the gospel. They said, describe it in, you know, like five minutes or less. Please tell me what that means. And I was like, you know what? I'm so used to being long-winded. You got me for 40 minutes on Sunday, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, I hope you didn't have plans for Village Inn because you ain't showing up till 920. <laughs> and uh, the fact of the matter is, is we've gotten so long-winded about things as theologians. This is, uh, this is our, our gig. This is our deal. But keeping it simple and being able to just pull it out of your pocket at any moment was really that, that rough moment for me. I'm like, well, why put into five words what you can put into 5,000? Isn't that what they pay us for? <laughs> So I, um, I had a moment and I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. And it really came to me as an understanding of what the gospel is through um, a simple piece in Genesis. In, in the first chapter, it just really didn't hit me. Well, it always hit me that, okay, well, if whatever God says is true. Well, this is, we, I never doubted it. Not in, not in the least. From the time I was six or seven years old and I had a concept, well, if God says it, it's true. I just maybe don't understand how it works. And I remember he said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And she eats the fruit. He eats the fruit. And it's not like Romeo and Juliet where they keel over and like, oh, dramatic death. It doesn't happen that way. So then I thought, well, what happens here? Is the snake right? Is, Is God right? Eve was starting to get some wrinkles. <laughs> I lived for another hundred years to watch those wrinkles. So the, the thing that really got a hold of me, I said, what is death? And I had to look at this. Mm-hmm. It's, there's an essence of understanding that death is separation from God, from each other, and the world around us. See, when God made us in, that, in the beginning moment, he set up, There was a unity we understood God by. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in harmony and unity with one another. Mm -hmm. And then they made man. And they said, well, that ain't good. (laughs) Anybody who knows any single guys, you know this is true. And single guys, come on. Let's be serious. And all the animals went, I told you to stop. (laughs) (laughs) So what did he do? He made made woman out of man, right? Mm -hmm. So then they were living God, man, and woman in harmony, right? And that's, that's one of our aims that we should have. That's how we were made to be. And they lived in harmony with other people and the environment around them. Or, you know, as things grew, they were in this harmony. And then, at that moment, the fruit happened. They ate of it. That separation from God. That separation from each other. Mm-hmm. And that punishment of, from the world around them. That separation from the, the very creation. 
And I figured out that the essence of the gospel is we messed it up. But because of Jesus coming down and doing what he's done through his life, death, burial, resurrection, the the miracles, the teachings, the actual payment for our sins, all these things actually give us that hope to number one, connect with God. He did step one. He did step one. And out of that overflow of step one where we have that relationship with God, we'll see that overflow of relationship with each other. And we haven't got that right, but when we do, we get the world around us is no problem at all. And I've experienced this, not at all times in my life, but certain times that I've I've got that very real essence that I am living out a gospel. I am living it out. Mm -hmm. And we receive it in part here and fully at home. But you know what? That moment that I studied in second and third grade in King James English, it never dawned on me. (laughs) It went from information to application only after about, well, 35 extra years of study, mm-hmm. right? So it's that same thing where God can give it to you in a certain moment and he can turn on the light bulb. And it doesn't mean that he won't turn on that same light bulb and get a different view of that same thing five years down the road. Mm-hmm. So that's why we got to keep continually studying and opening up the Bible. Stop treating it like a platypus. We, we've got to know what to do with it. It's, it's not just some oddity where it has history, that we don't care about because we're not history people anymore. It's not just poetry. It's not just instructions. It's not a law book. It's all those things and then some, but more and more we need to understand it as this is our relationship with God and primarily how he talks to us. So we know that God will show up through reading, uh, meditation, uh, prayer, meeting with one another in large and in small groups in so many other ways. But this is one of those key points we have to have. So this is one of the reasons why we do the Way podcast, so that scripture can get directly out to you. And these these supplemental conversations in the other way, uh, is we hope to be really beneficial and helpful to you as well. So thank you for joining us here today, and thank you, Chuck, for... Thank you. uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad that we could do this, and I hope to do this again. Could you uh, close us out in prayer? I could do that. God, as we... Our separate ways, we know that even as we're separated from one another, we are connected through you. Continue to send your spirit to remind us, but more importantly, teach us. And in those moments as we connect, even when we're separated one from another, we have the great connection because of your spirit. And together we can change the world for you. Thank you. Bless us. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, as you go, I always say go in grace and peace, but let me just tell you what I mean by that. Make peace with God and then go be his grace in this world. Have a great day.